gone and you say what about me? I gotta... Wow. It took me a long time of searching the archives in the British Library to find that original recording of a drunk man in the streets of Shrewsbury being hit in the head and falling over. Quite a remarkable recording to have found and rather poignant, I think. Hello again. Fancy seeing you here. Welcome to the final couplet with me, Theo Cowan. It's time for Sonnet 11. One of Shakespeare's most famous sonnets is Sonnet 11. It's an absolute pleasure to be looking at this today. I, I, I did just make that up, but maybe it is his most famous. I don't know. I don't think it is. It probably isn't. Sonnet 11 doesn't sound like a like a famous one. But not for me to say. And actually, we don't know this because back in the day, they might have liked different ones to the ones that we like now. So, you know, Shall I Compare Thee to a Summer's Day was actually considered a bit a bit a bit crap back then. And sort of like, you know, reading that one was like watching Love Island. You know, it's, it's quite lowbrow, sort of reality TV type stuff. And maybe the things that we think are not good today were the ones that were the big hitters. So that's something to think about, isn't it? That might have changed your whole perception on Shakespeare. Anyway, enough of my profound musings. Let's dive in to Sonnet 11. Sonnet 11. As fast as thou shalt wane, so fast thou growest in one of thine from that which thou departest. And that fresh blood which youngly thou bestowest, thou mayst call thine when thou from youth convertest. Herein lives wisdom, beauty and increase. Without this, folly, age and cold decay. If all were minded so, the times should cease and threescore year would make the world away. Let those whom nature hath not made for store, harsh, featureless and rude, barrenly perish. Look whom she best endowed, she gave the more, which bounteous gift thou shouldst in bounty cherish. She carved thee for her seal, and meant thereby thou shouldst print more, not let that copy die. Mmm, it's great to have our good friend nature back in the Sonic game, isn't it? She's back with a bang. And we're sort of back to Shakespeare. Shakespeare being classic Shakespeare here, isn't it? 
He's bringing back the big guns. He's bringing back nature. It's less, I love you, do this for me. It's more, you're hot, nature made you hot, so have kids. Good to see, really. I think he had a, a bit of a emotional time in the in the in the last sonnet so here he's sort of reining it in a bit right let's break it down and work out what Shakespeare was harping on about in this one shall we so we start with as fast as thou shalt wane so fast thou growest in one of thine from that which thou departest that's a relatively simple translation I think so that's sort of, you know, Wayne is decline. So as fast as your decline um, gets sort of old and decrepit, you could grow just as fast through one of your children. Starting off with the topic of the sonnet, nice and strong. And that fresh blood which youngly thou bestowest, thou mayst call thine when thou from youth covetest, covet, covetest, covetest. It's a nice little reading there. Um, you get the idea. Probably don't need to record that one again. We'll go with the first take. So I think in in this in this little section, he's saying. You know, because you're still so young and and full of life, if you had a kid now, that'd be great because you just pass that on to them. You just, you convert that. You convert your youth into your kid. Herein lie... Jesus, it's not going well today, is it? Herein lives wisdom, beauty and increase. Without this, folly age and cold decay that's a personal favorite part of this sonnet nice it's the um what do you call it in english um you know studied this at gcse in 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 english uh power of three there you go wisdom beauty and increase without this folly age and cold decay you name me a more beautiful example of the power of three. Shakespeare was on something there. Shakespeare invented the power of three. Maybe he did. Not for me to say. It almost doesn't need translating this, but I think he's saying, you know, in, in, in the act of having a kid, you will gain wisdom, beauty and increase, which is, you know, having a kid, reproduction. Uh, without having a kid, you will be an idiot, old, and dying in a sad, cold, dying a cold death. So that's nice. If all were minded so, the times should cease, and threescore year would make the world away. This means... You know, if everyone thought like you and didn't have a kid, then the human race would end, wouldn't it? The times should cease. The times of being a human would end. Um, and then in three score, so that's that's a nice Shakespeareanism. He um, or Shakespeareism. He 
likes to use score for some reason. Doesn't like to say the actual number. It's a little poetic thing that he's got going on. He thought it was clever. Um, but I, I think score is 20. Don't hold me to that. But uh, so three score, three times 20. You do the maths. I'll do the maths. It's 60. And so saying, you know, in 60 years, there wouldn't be anything left. The world would be over. Uh, slightly weird that he's saying if no one had kids. But you know, Shakespeare, you know that people are still going to have kids, don't you? Not not everyone is 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 like John. You know that. You're just being Shakespeare about it, aren't you? Let those whom nature hath not made for store, harsh, featureless and rude, barrenly perish. This is a horrible little sentence, actually, isn't it? Um, so I think what he's saying here is let the people that, that aren't good enough to have kids or aren't, you know, good enough to make the decision to have kids. Um, rough and featureless, ugly, featureless. <laughs> it's not even, it's not even you've got a big nose. It's you don't even have any features to comment on. You're so ugly that there's nothing to even talk about. It's a good insult that I might start using that in my everyday life. So that them ugly, rough, ugly people die without a child. Let them barrenly perish. Horrible. What about the poor people that can't have kids even if they wanted to have kids? Do they become ugly and die horribly? It's not very nice, is it? Look whom she best endowed. She gave the more. Which bounteous gift thou shouldst in bounty cherish? So you know when he starts saying she... That's when nature enters, nature enters the chat. And here he's saying, you know, nature made people good looking in order to have kids. So saying nature gave you these, these gorgeous looks. So you should, you should cherish that and be generous with that and have a kid. And now the final couplet. She carved thee for her seal, and meant thereby, thou shouldst print more, not let that copy die. We're going to end on a strong uh, printing press analogy, I think. Didn't even know that that existed at this point. It's interesting, isn't it? So here he's saying, um, you know, she she meant for you to... To copy yourself, and by copy yourself, mean meaning having children. She meant for you to have kids so that the original copy, i.e. you, wouldn't die. So you would live on. The, the original copy would live on. So by making loads of copies of the original... I mean, I guess in in, in, in a way, that is how Shakespeare has lived on, isn't it? That's nice to think of, isn't it? Because if, if, if there weren't copies made of Shakespeare's works, we wouldn't be reading them today.
So rather, rather poignant again, that not at all what he meant, but that's what I've got from it. So lovely stuff. Good to have the old Shakespeare back. Not overly harsh, apart from that middle couple of sentences about people. If you if you can't have a kid, I hope you die a cold, horrible death. But apart from that, um, yeah, pretty standard Shakespeare, pretty classic. Uh, back to his old ways, bringing nature in. A uh, little printing press analogy. It's all it's all good stuff. It's all good stuff. Right, let's put this to our story. If you remember last week, Shakespeare had written a quite a emotional sonnet where, you know, littered with the normal have a kid stuff, he'd sort of put in some more things expressing a love for John. Or, you know, if John had a kid, it would show him how much he loves him. So it was a little bit more personal. And he had written it in the dead of night and he'd gone out on the cobbled streets of London to John's house and had delivered this sonnet from the street up to John's window. Let's find out what happens next, shall we? Shakespeare finishes reading... Sonnet 10. John looks at him from the window and says, Oh, am I being slow? I can't really work out the subtext here. And Shakespeare says, It's like, imagine you're Juliet and I'm Romeo. And John says, what are you talking about? And Shakespeare says, Oh, oh yeah, that hasn't been hasn't been published yet. Sorry, I, I wrote this play called Romeo and Juliet and think it's gonna be quite successful, but just having a hard time getting it into the right rooms at the moment. So anyway, it's 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 this sort of love story between two people. Um and I'm one of them and and you're the other. And John says, a, a, a love story? Oh, wow. Um, I don't know. I, I, I need some time, Shakespeare. I'm, I don't know if I feel the same way about you. I, I haven't given it any thought. And Shakespeare says, oh, well, yeah, no, what, love story? No, it wasn't. No, <laughs> not a love story. That's that's no. I just remembered the Romeo and Juliet. It's not definitely not a love story. It's um, it's more just friends. They're just friends. Um, so forget I said anything. Okay, it never happened. Never happened. Still want you to have kids though. <laughs> definitely still have kids. Yeah, just forget the love thing. That's that didn't happen. All right then. Well, uh, it's, it's getting late, nearly 4am here. So see ya. Bye. And Shakespeare disappears off into the night. John slowly closes his window. 
And he thinks, wow, was I dreaming that? Does William Shakespeare really love me? Is it just friends or is it more? I can't wait until Romeo and Juliet comes out to find out. That could be years. He's very confused. And he thinks, I do like Shakespeare. I just don't know if I like him in that way. And then, of course, I've got this this lovely woman who I've said I'd like to have a kid with. It's all too much. Meanwhile, Shakespeare's running home. Tears are streaming down his face. He can't remember the last time he was this vulnerable. A little voice in the back of his head is saying, use it, Shakespeare, use it for your writing. And he falls to his knees and screams up to the moon. And crumples in a heap. The next day, Shakespeare is up in his writing room, scribbling away. Shakespeare's wife comes in and says, oh, what are you writing? And Shakespeare says, another sonnet, sonnet 11. And she says, oh, do you want me to read that to him? He said, no, I'm going to read it to him. I messed up with sonnet 10. And she said, oh, what was Sonnet 10 about? He said, uh, uh, no, don't worry about Sonnet 10. You should never read Sonnet 10. Promise me you'll never read Sonnet 10. And she says, OK, that, that's fine. Well, uh, I'll, I'll leave you to it then, shall I? And Shakespeare says, yeah, thanks. Now get out. Get out of my sight. Shakespeare's wife walks away, thoughtfully. She's thinking, what did he write in Sonnet 10 that he doesn't want me to see? Hmm. I wonder. Meanwhile, Shakespeare finishes Sonnet 11. And he thinks to himself, yes. Yes, more stuff about nature and, and, and him having kids. Let's 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 read this to him and and make him forget that I I said anything about about love and and him proving his love to me and and, and me loving him in, in Sonnet Ten. Let's let's make him forget all about that, shall we? And he quickly hops down the stairs, puts on his little jacket, and. Leaves the house. In the street, he bumps into Ben Johnson. And he says, Ben, come with me. What are you doing? Come with me. And Ben says, oh, I was just, I'm just going to see the director of my new play. And Shakespeare says, oh, don't worry about that. Come with me. Ben says, well, that's quite important. He said, don't worry about it, Ben. Come with me. I've got another sonnet to read. Get it into your head. Ben says, all right. And they run along the street to John's house. 
but John isn't in. He's at work. And John's work is at a shipyard. It's at a shipyard on the River Thames. He makes ships. He make he makes boats, obviously. So, so Bill and Ben run along the London cobbled streets. Their little high heels clippity cloppity as they go. Eventually, they arrive at the shipyard at which John works. A big gruff man greets them and says, what do you two want? And Shakespeare says, I am William Shakespeare and this is Ben Johnson. And this man says, I never heard of William Shakespeare, but Ben Johnson, I'm a huge fan. Nice to meet you. A pleasure. And Shakespeare says, sorry, I think you've got that the wrong way round. I think you know me, William Shakespeare, not Ben Johnson. How would you know Ben Johnson and not William Shakespeare? That's nuts. And he says, nope, never heard of William Shakespeare, but a big fan of Ben. Well, well, well done on all your work. And ben says, oh, gosh, well, thank you. <laughs> it's, um, it's, a, it's a pleasure to meet a fan. <laughs> Do you want me to sign anything? And the man says, Oh, if you could sign my arm, that would be lovely. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Mr. Ben Johnson. Wow, well, wait until I tell my wife about this. She'll, she won't believe it. And ben laughs and graciously signs the man's arm. William Shakespeare looks on angrily and says, Come on, Ben, we don't have time for this. Stupid man. And he spots John carving away at a little wooden boat on the Thames. And he says, Oi, John, John. John looks round and says, Oh, Shakespeare, hi again. Didn't know when I'd next see you. He says, I've, I've been thinking. And William says, No, don't. You shouldn't be thinking. Forget everything that happened in the last 24 hours. Nothing happened. All right. Just here to read you another sonnet about you having a kid. In fact, I'll make Ben read it. Ben's going to read it to you. OK, so just forget everything. We're back to normal. Here's another sonnet. And John says, Shakespeare, we really should talk about this. And Shakespeare says, no, no. Ben, here you go. Here's the here's the sonnet. Read it out. Ben takes sonnet 11 from Shakespeare and reads sonnet 11. You are going to quickly start to decline, but you could grow again just as quickly through one of your kids. The freshness and youth that you would pass on if you had a kid now whilst you're young, you'd actually get back from that kid when you grow old. Having a kid makes you wise and beautiful, but not having a kid makes you stupid, old and die a cold death. 
If no one had a kid, then that would be the end of the human race, and in 60 years, there'd be no world. Let the people who aren't good enough to have kids, you know, the horrible, old, ugly, poor people, let them die childless. Nature made hot people in order to have kids, so you should do what she tells you. You are nature's sexy template, so you should make loads of copies of yourself, so that the original doesn't go extinct. Wow, that's um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Back to his old ways. But the shadow of Sonnet 10 will live on. I, for one, am desperate to find out what happens in Sonnet 12. Where will our story go? What will Sonnet 12 be about, indeed? Will it continue the story? Almost certainly. See you next week to find out. Bye!